Romans chapter 4. I want to speak to you over the next few moments on just simply this thought, stagger not. Stagger not. Romans chapter 4, look with me at verse number 17. In a world that is um, troubling, in a world that is uh, compromising on everything it seems like, in a world that takes the truth and distorts it at times, we, we as God's people have to learn that we can't stagger from what we know to be the truth, right? We have to stand firm of what we know to be the truth. Romans chapter 4, look at verse number 17. Verse number 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who he believed, God, who gives life to the dead, calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. This is speaking of Abraham. Verse number 19 says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised He was also able to perform. Aren't you thankful that whatever God promises, He's also able to perform that which He's promised? Now in the scripture, very familiar scripture text that we look at, it's going back and picking up the story of Abraham and Sarah. And when God had promised him to make him a father of all nations and making his seed be, be uh, multiplied as the stars of heaven or the, or, the, or the grains of sand on a seashore. Abram, when you look back in the scriptures in Genesis, he wasn't called Abraham, he was called Abram, which simply meant exalted father. And we know according to history that Abraham lived in, the Ur, in Ur of the Chaldees. He was a godly man living a godly life, but he lived that godly life in an ungodly place. And one day, the Lord came down and began to speak to him. And you look back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible will tell you this. He says, Abraham, will you get thee out of thy country? And I want you to, I want you to, from the Father's house, and I want you to go to a land which I will show you. And when you get out of your Father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And we know from history that Abraham listened, Abram listened rather, and he obeyed. And there he was, though. He was comfortable. You've got to understand, he was comfortable in his father's house. He, he was at ease. Things was going well, and he had no problems. He had no wants, so to speak, and everything was going just fine. And I was thinking back about this, and when I was growing up, and I was living with dad and mom, and in their house, I enjoyed living there. I, you know, there were some kids that at 17 and 18 years old, you may have been those ones that, that you wanted to get out from underneath mom and dad's house, but I wasn't one of those kids. I was being fed every day. I was being clothed, you know, when I needed clothes. Mama would come and she'd embrace and she'd hug me and I enjoyed those kind of things. And dad would take us to places and I enjoyed being at, ha- being, being at home. 
But when I turned about 23, 22, 23 years old, a light switch went off. I, I don't know what happened. There was really nothing that took place. I knew that I wanted to be married. I knew that right then I, I, I wanted to marry the girl that I was dating, which is, your, which is your first lady here today, Karen. We'd been dating three to four years, and, and I really hadn't thought about marriage up until that point. But at that point, a light switch went off. <coughs> and I had, to, I had to come to the understanding I had to get out of my father's house. You know what I'm talking about. And Abram here, he, he was comfortable there living with his father. But Abram listened to the voice of God. And he obeyed. There he was. He began to pray and he began to obey. And if there's ever a time that probably you and I need to do that in America again, it's today. We need to just listen to what God has says and, and we need to obey what the Lord has said. Even in America, in our cities, in our churches, in our families, even as Christians, we need to tell God, Lord, let it start with me. Let it just begin here. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, let it, let it begin here. And Abram was obedient, the Bible says. He was, he was obedient. But I want you to understand, when you're obedient to God, Obedience brings about certain things in your life. Obedience brings about miracles in your life when you're following God, wherever that may be. Obedience brings favor in your life. God will begin to place you in areas and place you at, at, at circumstances in areas that God will in turn begin to bless you. Obedience begins to, to bring an answered prayer in your life when you begin to be obedient to the Lord. And you look in verse, in, in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 12, Abram began to move out and he wandered around in the land of promise and, and God told him, I want to make your seed. I'm going to give you, I'm going to unto your seed, I'm going to give this land wherever, wherever your foot goes, wherever you begin to walk, I'm going to give you this land. This land that God told Abram was that he was going to give him was a, was a small piece of land less than, less than 20 miles wide in some places. And it was such a small place, but I want you to think about it. It was the focal point of biblical prophecy of back then and still today, it's a, it's a biblical focal point of everywhere that we go in our world. Matter of fact, there's been countries and, and people tries to destroy Jerusalem. There's been people that tries to rise up against the, the destruction of Jerusalem. But how many knows it belongs to God? It belongs to God and it belongs to God's chosen and people. And Abram went through that time. And when Abram heard God, he built an altar, the Bible says. And the question I have for you and I today is, when we begin to hear from God, have we built an altar in our life? Oh, I'm not necessarily talking about building an altar with rocks and, and all of those things. But in our heart, have we built an altar before the Lord? And God, you've promised me this. You've sent me here. And you told me to go here. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe upon you. And in my heart, I'm going to build an altar unto you. I'm going to come back to that altar time and time again and remind you of the promises that you have blessed me with. Now, Abraham didn't know where he was going. God just told him, I want you to get, you out, of, get out of the Father's house. I want, I want you to get out of the land that you have known up until this point. I want to show you a land. And by faith, he began to wander around. And by faith, he began to follow the voice of Almighty God. There's times that I feel like in our, in our homes, in our nation especially, today that we need to rebuild the old-fashioned altar that we once had, that we once grew up with. There's too many churches that's, that's removed them from their sanctuaries. And I'm not talking about the, the old wooden altar, so to speak. I'm talking about that altar of prayer, that altar of repentance, that altar of salvation, that altar where we come and we find God and we find God's voice and we find God working in our life. We need to, rem we need to build them back up of where the altar once was. And when we 
find out in Genesis chapter 13, verse 16, God began to speak to Abraham the third time. And he says, I'm going to make thy seed as the dust of the earth. And, and, and when you think about that, Lord, what are you going to do? What, what does that mean to me in my life? How has God spoken to you? How has God spoken and gave you the promise in your lifetime? We know it was God who spoke, yet oftentimes we begin to question God. I mean, there's been moments even in my life where I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God spoke, but God hasn't moved like he spoke. You know what I'm talking about? He hasn't done what he said he was going to do. The time has went by and maybe I forgot about some certain things and and maybe I forgot about what exactly God is saying but can I tell you and remind you one more time church that whatever God speaks into your life and whatever promise that God gives in your life you can put it down it will come to pass. Amen. Don't forget about that promise. That's what the altar is all about. That's what going back to God is all about. That's what reminding God is all about. We know that God has spoken, but so many times we question God. Not in unbelief, but because of a lack of knowledge maybe that we have. We'll ask God, Lord, how in the world are you going to do that? I don't have a, I don't have a clue how you're going to do that. You've said you're going to do this, but I don't understand, God, how in the world you're going to do that. I mean, just look at my situation. And like Abraham, we wander around of how and when and, and where and who and why, trying to figure these things out. We try to figure God out. Oh, it could be that we might need help financially and we get ahead of God and we go get a credit card to take care of something instead of listening to the voice of Almighty God. Oh, we may need help physically sometimes, but we get, get ahead of God and we go ahead and go to the doctor even though God says, I'm going to do this. And I'm not saying for you not to go to the doctor. Don't get me wrong here. But when God has placed a promise in your life, just hold on to the promise of the nail-scarred hand of Jesus Christ. We may need help with our family and we get, a, get ahead of God and we just give up and we leave instead of allowing God to heal and allowing God to restore the broken relationship and that, that, that fragmented family situation instead of allowing God to heal and restore we get ahead of God and that's exactly what happened in this situation in this story of Abram think about this Abram thought that God was going to bring the seed through his servant he said well apparently this is this is what God's going to do because you got to understand he was 100 years old He told us in the scripture, I'm dead. I cannot produce. Not only am I dead, but Sarah's womb is dead. She's an old woman. Now, I don't mean to linger on this old man, old woman stuff, but you think about it. I don't know if we've got anybody in the house today that's 100 years old, do we? You may feel like 100. Some of you guys are pointing to your wives. Don't do that. Man, don't do that till you get in trouble. I don't know of anybody that's 100 in here, but, but how many of you that's what we'd call a forever young individual or a, or a senior saint individual? How many of you that's already raised your kids and they're out of the house and you got everything like you, got, like you enjoyed and like you like it? How many of you want to raise another family? Boy, I, boy that was an old quick. Oh, Lord, no. Go, God, no. <laughs> and Abram understood, I, my, I'm dead here. My wife is dead. The womb of, of her is dead. Matter of fact, Sarah talked to him and, and thinking, you could, you could almost hear their conversation. And, and Abram, God could mean that, that the seed would come through my handmaiden, Hagar. You remember that? And that started a whole other mess. That started a whole other situation. 
When we learn to outrun God and when we outdo God, instead of allowing God to, to, to go ahead and do what he wants to, can I, can I just say, if you don't hear nothing else I say today, then hear me here. Don't get ahead of God. Because there's all kinds of other situations that could pop up. Don't get ahead of God. He may not come when you want him to, but I promise you, he'll always show up. He may not always be on the, on the time of your schedule, but God, he will always show up exactly the time that you need him to show up. I promise you, old Job of old, he, he thought that God's not going to show up. He lost everything. But how many knows, according to Scripture, God showed up in Job's life and gave him back everything and then some that he lost. He, he, he'll always be there because he's an on-time God. He's an on-time God. But when you and I, when we try to manipulate the hand of God, we'll get in trouble every time. Every time we'll get in trouble. When do you, when, when you do, you'll always produce an Ishmael. You'll always produce that other situation. What is it, Pastor? What is that, Pastor? What, what is that Ishmael that you're talking about? Ishmael's in your life is those things that hinder your progress with God. Think about it. It'll, it'll be that thing that always will hinder your progress with God. Promise you, I promise you, there's probably some Ishmaels here today that some people need to deal with. Now, now this is not all inclusive, but it could be worry. It could be doubt. It could be fear. It could be the past that God has brought you from. Wherever those Ishmaels is, the decisions that you made instead of following God, they have crept up. And then God spoke to Abraham the fourth time and told him again that, hey, Abram, I want you to know I'm going to multiply your seed. But to multiply your seed. But God knew how Abram was. And we find out from Scripture that God began to change his name from Abram, who was an exalted father, to Abraham, who was the father of many nations. God has changed some people's names in here today, has he not? Where were you in your past? What name did you carry in your past? What did God call you in the past? But now you're not a, you're not a heathen anymore. You're not a sinner anymore, but you're a sinner saved by grace, amen. By the mercy and, and mercy and grace of Almighty God. God has changed some people's names in here today. You may have been a drunkard, but can I tell you, he's changed your drunken state to it being drunk on the Holy Spirit, amen. Hallelujah. He's changed a thief that possibly was here to one that tithes today, amen. He's changed a whoremonger to those that are in a holy priesthood today. Hallelujah. God has changed some names today. And why did God change his name? Because God calls those things that are not as though they are. Can I tell you, when you were walking in your sin, when you were walking in your corruption, when you were walking in that junk that nobody else wanted to hang around you, God saw something different in you. Amen. See, sometimes we judge on the outside. Sometimes we'll see somebody, so I don't want you to hang around that person. They're, not, they're no good at all, right? They're no good at all. Can I tell you the, 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 the little while that I visited a, a jailhouse, done jailhouse ministry, I walked in those jailhouses and I saw these guys that was locked up. And from the, from the surface, they just looked like old con men. You know what I'm talking about. But when you got to know them, when you got to talk with them, they were some of the most intelligent guys that you would ever talk to. Some of the most brilliant guys that, that you would ever talk to, they just got off on the wrong side of the track, so to speak. 
and they hadn't been wasn't given a chance, so to speak. When we go to mission fields and all of this, and we see people that, that's homeless and strung out, sometimes we feel like that they don't know anything at all, that they just made the wrong decisions, and they have. But you'll come to find out once you get to know those individuals that God has blessed them and give them abilities and give them talents just like you and me, but yet they've not chosen to use them yet. And so God changed his name. He calls those things that are not as though they were. What situation that you're walking through today? What problem that you may be dealing with today? Because God sees it different than you see it today. God sees you in victory instead of defeat today. Hallelujah. God sees a a relationship with you that maybe you can't see with him. Why did the Lord do that? He sees those things that are not as though they were. You've heard me say this already, but Abraham looked at himself and said, I'm too old. It's too late for me for children. My body's too weak. My body simply will not function at all. And some of you may be, may think, may be thinking today while you're sitting here, it's too late for me to receive a miracle. It's too late for me to receive a miracle. My body is too old to worship God like I used to. My body is too old to give God glory like I used to. And, and I'm going to agree with you to a certain extent. I understand that we get old and, and our bones don't work like they used to and our joints don't work like they used to. But does that give us permission not to worship God? Come on, somebody, no. Preach with me. It doesn't give us permission that we can just sit idly by and allow other people to worship God and we just, we just do our thing, so to speak. Uh-uh. God expects us to glorify him and to worship him. My finances, you may be thinking, are too small to make a difference. My family is too far gone into sin. There's no hope for revival. But God said, somebody say, but God. But God calls those things that are not as though they were. How can he do that? And God says to you this morning, hey, can I tell you your youth is going to be renewed like the eagle. And God is saying something this morning, that your body is going to be healed by my stripes. I took the stripes upon on my back that you might be healed. I take pleasure in the prosperity of my people. You have believed in me and your household will be saved, he says. Hallelujah. God sees those things different than you and I see them. And we've got to learn, we've got to learn, church, to speak God's word over our situation. We've got to refuse to speak the negative. There's enough of negative talk going on all around us, are they not? Sure they are. There's enough of negative all around us. But but we have to learn to speak the positive things in our life. There's a story I read several years ago about a house in Kansas City, Missouri, called the Healing House. And it's this house for drug addicts that was started by a woman by the name of Bobby Joe. So you may have heard this story. Bobby Joe was one of these women that was walking the street for many years, but somebody cared enough to share the gospel with her, and she got saved. She got born again. At the same time, her mother died and left her a great inheritance. And she knew that many of the women who were drug addicts turned to the streets to support their habit. And when they were arrested, they were put in jail. And then they were released and they had no place to go. And so they went right back out on the street. They began to go right back out working the streets. And so with that inheritance that her mom left, Bobby Joe bought an old retirement home that was boarded up. And she, she went in and fixed it up and rehabbed it. And she invited those ladies of, that was walking the street, that was in jail, 
that had no place to go to come and live. And they went and they came and lived. And while they were there, she also began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And the story goes, this is a true story, the story goes that, that the home got filled up and then, a, and then a pimp moved next door and they began to pray for that house where the pimp moved in. And she gathered some more resources. She bought that house from that guy and it filled up and she bought another house and it filled up. And then she began to buy apartment complexes and they began to fill up. One woman after another whose life was racked with sin but who had been freed from the crutches and the clutch of sin in their life passed on the good news when, to others that, of, of people that she come in contact with. And you've heard me say this before, but do we not have the good news of Jesus Christ that wherever we go, we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wherever we go, we've got something good to share. Amen. And I pray to God we ain't living our life to where if somebody looks at us, they say, well, I don't want to be like them. Uh-uh. We don't, even, we don't need to live our life like that, right? We need to live our life where people can see we've got the love of Jesus Christ. At Christmas time, they would go out and they would take an offering from these ladies that had come into these houses. And then they would go buy presents and take them to the homeless people on the streets. And they begin to share that this is a Christmas gift to you. Simply to remind you that there's hope in a Savior that loves you, that cares for you. Matter of fact, there's a story with the same lady that I read that one Christmas Eve, they was doing that same thing. They was going and buying Christmas presents and, and they was taking it out to the homeless and, and they, was up to, they pulled their van up to this gas station to fill up and there were two police officers that was there at that gas station. And one of the police officers recognized one of the girls in the van that he had dealt with in, in times past. And he walked over to her and he said, what in the world are you doing here? I thought you were dead. And then he began to look inside the van and he began to recognize another girl and, and recognize another girl and recognize another girl. And he called his partner over and said, hey, they're alive, they're alive. And in truth, they were dead. They were dead in their sins, but now they were alive. They had a Savior who was born as a little baby some 2,000 plus years ago that it grew up and gave their life so that these ladies of the street that sometimes you and I may not give a second chance thought about. Hear me, church. Somebody cared and shared the message of Jesus Christ. Now they, in turn, were the messengers of carrying this. This is what I know. All of us need to be saved from something. They were all of us that was saved from something. And this Jesus came to save us. Mark eleven twenty three says this, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Whatsoever he says. Where's our faith today? Romans 4 and 18. Who against hope believed in hope. Think about this opening scripture. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. In his flesh he couldn't see it. In his flesh, Brother Roger, he didn't understand how. In his flesh, he knew that something else was fixing to have to take place. Who against believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. See, hope keeps God's word alive in us today. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I can tell you this. Keep hope alive in your life today. Keep hope alive in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Where the word of God keeps alive, the word he has spoken over you. Hope keeps us hanging on when the whole world is crumbling all around us. Hope says we can do it. Romans 4 and 20 says he staggered not. Abraham didn't stagger 
or he didn't fall into unbelief. He didn't fall into doubt or fear or frustration. He staggered not at the promise of what God had promised him. He didn't know how it was going to happen, but he staggered. Can I just ask you a question? How many of you in the past, in times past, has God promised something that you didn't have a clue how it was going to take place, but God somehow brought it through? Yeah. God somehow brought it through. This is what I want you to get this morning as, as, as we finish this message. He staggered not at the promise of God. He staggered not at the promise. That promise was, hey, Abram, I'm going I'm I'm to give you a seed that's going to be like the sand of the sea. I'm going to give you a seed that's going to be like the stars of the sky. Have you ever had God give you a promise? Sure. Have you ever had God give you a dream that was so awesome sometimes that you couldn't tell anybody? Have you ever, God, have you ever had God just speak to you that was some, some of the most awesome things that said, Lord, I don't know how in the world. If I, if I tell this, they're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm crazy. You say, well, I've got to tell somebody. I've got to pick up the phone. I've got to dial the number. And a lot of times, some of you may have even picked up the phone and you dialed the number, but you got to that last number and you thought, I can't do this. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm a nut by saying what I'm fixing to say. Can I tell you something? God's will for his people is for you and I to walk in and to possess the promise that he has given us. Amen. His, his gift to us, he's looking for you and I to walk, to walk in that thing and to possess the promise that he's given us. We're not looking for the promised land. We're looking for the land of promises. The promises that he's blessed us. What are you talking about, pastor? The promises of healing. Listen, we got some folks in our church that need healing today. And so I can't let go of the promise of healing. Why? By stripes, I'm healed today. And I've got to walk in that, amen. Isaiah 53 and 5. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed today. Can I just see a show of hand? If you're sitting here today, say, Pastor, I need healing today. This morning, I need a healing touch. Can I remind you that he was wounded for our transgressions? He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of peace was upon him. And the Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed today. Amen. Why don't we just lift up our hands and claim our healing today by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your healing. We thank you for your touch today. We claim it of the promise that you've blessed us with today. Hallelujah. Not only healing, but he promised us deliverance. He's promised us deliverance in Psalms 50 and 15. He says this, call upon me in the day of trouble and I'll deliver you. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Have you ever had them days you just had to call on God? Have you ever had them days you say, oh God, do you know where I am today? Do you recognize what I'm going through today? Do you ever have a clue, oh God, of what I'm walking through today? The Bible tells me sometimes, listen to me church, let me help some of you. Sometimes we need to worry about what we think, get the word of God out, and proclaim those true messages in our hearts. Read those things to the enemy. Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Oh, yeah, read them to the enemy. Read the scripture to you. Hey, devil, let me remind you, I'm going to call upon him because I'm in trouble today. And my Bible tells me when I call upon him, I will deliver thee. Hallelujah. Not only that, but we thank God for the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24 and 49, I send the promise of my Father upon you. 
But Terry, he says, until you be endued with power from on high. Until you be endued with power from on high. There's a promise of prosperity in Malachi 3 and 10. Bring you all the tithe into the storehouse. And the Bible says, prove me now with. If I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, my Lord. Can you imagine what kind of blessing that is? Can you imagine what kind of a blessing that would be? Prove me, says the Lord. Those of you that may be struggling with tithing, go back and study that scripture out. Prove me, says the Lord, and see if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you'll not have room enough to receive it. He's also promised us revival. I don't know about you, but we need revival in our land today. We need revival in our land. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If what? My people. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and I will heal their land. If there's ever a time that we need our nation healed today, it is today. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a Republican. I'm telling you, we're in trouble today. We need God's people to begin to cry out aloud. Cry out aloud. God, heal our land today. Come and save it. Let it start with me, oh God. Hallelujah. Let it start with us. Salvation. Promise of salvation to our household. Let me ask you something, moms and dads. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you got kids that need to be saved today? How many of you got kids that need to be delivered today from the influence of sin that's in their life? Acts 16 and 3 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. It, it's possible. Don't give up on those kids. Don't give up on those kids. How many of us needs promises today? We all need the promises of God. Not because the promise necessarily may be manifested right now, but we, but we begin to praise Him even on credit. We praise Him, Brother Roger, on credit because we know what God's going to do. We begin to trust God. Why? Because God sees these things that are not as though they were. Hallelujah. He sees those things that are not as though they were. And we begin to praise him on credit and worship him on credit before we even see the promise come. Amen. We begin to worship him. He staggered not at, at, at the promise. Not only this, Abraham staggered not at the problem. What was the problem, Pastor? The problem was his body was dead. He was old. The problem was that Sarah's womb was dead. But he staggered not at the promise. See, you'll never receive from God if you stop looking in faith to Him and start looking in fear. We'll never receive from God if we change our faith perspective into a fear perspective. Our faith life has to continue to grow. Our faith within inside of us has to continue to grow. We don't deny facts. Now, don't, don't miss me here. We don't necessarily deny the facts, but we do not trust in the facts. Because of what God said he's going to take care of. We believe in the truth, amen. We believe, oh yeah, we're having this situation. We've got this problem that we're dealing with. But my God said and promised, I'm going to deliver you from that. And even though we can't see it, and even though somebody else can't see it, we still trust in an almighty God to take care of it. We may be sick. I don't deny the sickness, but I'm going, to, I'm going to begin to confess my healing. How about you? Oh man, amen. We may have financial struggles. I don't, I don't deny the fact that I'm having financial struggles, but I'm not going to confess it every day of my life either. 
I'm going to confess the fact God's going to take care of me. I've been faithful to my tithing. I've been faithful to my giving. I've been faithful to what God has called me to do. And he's going to take care of me. Amen. How many knows that Peter walked on the water until he took his eyes off of God? Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. The devil comes to steal the seed. God's word to you. Amen. I've been in church for years, and I've seen many walk away for, in faith for a, for a while. They leave because they allow the problem to become greater than the provider. God is our great provider today. Amen. He is our great provider. He staggered not at the problem. The third thing and the final thing is this. Abraham staggered not at the process. Everything that we do in life has a process. Everything that we do has a process. Abraham has spoken several years earlier to Abraham about this seed before Isaac was born. Several years earlier, he didn't know how it was going to be done. Several years earlier before Isaac was born, though Abraham, he did not stagger. He, he stumbled a little bit, but he didn't stagger. And he and Sarah tried to help him out, you know the story, and produce the seed of the, in the flesh of Ishmael. And I'm sure that Probably no one here has ever tried to help God out, have you, with problems. We, we probably, none of us has tried to do that. Some things that we have thought would be to our promise have often turned around to become a thorn in our side. And I want that just to sink in just a little bit. Instead of being patient with God. Instead of listening to the voice of God. We've tried to help God out in those things that we thought, Lord, this is a promise, I'm going to help you out here. Lord, you give me enough common sense. You've, you, I'm going I'm I'm to bless you a little bit, God. We've tried to help God. It's become a thorn in our flesh. Become a thorn in our flesh. Don't get in a hurry, church. Don't get in a hurry. Wait upon the Lord. My Bible tells me they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Be renewed. But renew their strength. Process will bring progress in your life. Process will bring progress in your life. If there's no testing, if there's no trials, if there's no tribulation, if there's no hard times whatsoever in your life, you're going to have no progress because you're never going to learn. Thank God for the hardships sometimes. Thank God for the situations that you have to walk through. I don't like them either. But God allows us to go through these things to, to grow us and to bring us through the progress in our life that he wants us. Because I promise you, once you get over this, this problem, you're not going to have a problem with it next time because you're going to learn. Amen of how to take care of this thing. Israel, 40 years in the wilderness. Musicians come, if you will. Israel, 40 years in the wilderness. They received the promised land. God told them, I want to I bring you out of Egypt. I want to take you to a place where I'm gonna, it's going to be milk and honey. I'm going to take you to a place where there's going to be wells that's already dug. You ain't got to dig any of them. Now, what you think about this? I'm going to take you to a place where the houses has already been built. You ain't got to build none of them. And you're going to go and occupy. You're going to go and drink the milk and the honey. You're going to go and, and take part of, of those things that I've already prepared for you. And for 40 years, they wandered around the wilderness trying to find this place, which was not a far piece from where they were. It should never have taken 40 years, but they wandered around. And even to till the, till the forefathers, those, those men and women that started, brother, they, had, they died off. And there was two guys, Joshua and Caleb, that were sent there to the promised land. And they were sent, and they came back, 
And you know this, they brought a good report. There's some more boys that were sent there, and they come back and bought a, brought a bad report. Ain't no way we can go and possess this land. Man, there's they's giants over there. There's, there's walled cities over there. There's grapes as big as I am over there. They're huge. We can't possess this land. But Joshua and Caleb said, oh, yes, we can. God promised us some 40 years ago. And they said, look, my legs is still strong. I still believe. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stagger at the promise that God will give us this land. Years and years earlier, in the Old Testament Scriptures, we read about a man coming that was going to deliver his people by the name of Jesus Christ. Isaiah prophesied it. Many others prophesied it. Jesus finally came as a little baby. He didn't show up, Sister Sue, as a, as a king like they thought he was going to show up. You know, they thought he was going to come, boy, he was going to take over things. But Jesus comes as a little bitty baby. What seemingly was insignificant turned out to be very significant, did it? What seemed to be nothing but a little boy born to a little woman and a man. But Jesus came. He lived among us. He had a trial. He has a, had a prosecution, if you call it that. He was crucified. But when he was crucified, he made a statement, Brother Adam, and said, It is finished. And when he made that statement, do you understand, church, that it gives you and I access to the Holy of Holies? Because my Bible tells me that when, when he made that statement that the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, where you and I, we didn't have access to go in there. We didn't, we didn't have access to get to the Father. We had to take our sin to the priest. But now we can take our life to the Holy of Holies. We can take our life into the Father. We can ask His forgiveness. You look back and go back in Scripture, the early church, they suffered persecution by Nero, and the gospel was even spread even more to the world. Early Pentecostals, even in our church, in our denomination, was burned out, was flogged, was stoned, was beaten, was run out of town. Early, early Pentecostals, but there was mocked, there was ridicule. But today, can I tell you that Pentecostals, uh, and I'm not just talking about Church of God, Pentecostals in general is one of the fastest growing religions today other than Muslim and Islam. Our problem that we have sometimes, we get comfortable with where we are. And we don't want to wait to the harvest to show up. Can I tell you, there's coming a harvest. Sometimes we want to act like a farmer planted a seed on Monday and on Tuesday we expect a harvest. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. We don't water it. We don't do anything. It don't work that way. Look, God has sent me to tell you this morning, we've got to learn to wait upon Him and stagger not at the promise of Almighty God. You may be delayed, but you're not going to be denied. Hallelujah. You're not going to be denied. With every head bowed and eyes closed, very quickly this morning, I want to ask you, what are you dealing with today that you need God to help you with? What are you dealing with today that you're having a little trouble standing? What are you dealing with today that you're having trouble Staying balanced in your walk with Christ. Are you staggering today for any reason? 
Is it family? Is it finances? Is it friends of the church? What is it today that we're having trouble being balanced today in our walk with God? Because if you're here today and you're staggering, and this altar call is for you. This altar call is for you. Your decision you've got to make is, I'm going to, am I going to turn it over to God? Am I going to turn it over to Him? Am I going to give it to Him to take care of instead of me and my flesh? Because in my, know, in my know-how, I can't get it done. In my understanding, I can't accomplish it. But if I choose by faith to stand upon the Word of God, if I choose by faith to listen to His voice, I stagger not at the blessing, at the promise that He's given me. You may be here this morning and you say, Pastor, I, I'm not going to stagger, but boy, I could just use a fresh touch just to keep me moving on Then this altar call is for you. I just need to be encouraged one more time, Pastor, that God has promised this in my life and He's going to see it through. I don't understand how it's going to be done, but He's going to see it through in the name of Jesus. They're getting ready to sing a song for us this morning. And while Michelle sings, I want to ask this entire congregation to stand. But if you're here today and say, you need to be at this altar, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come. Allow us to pray with you today. I'm going to hold you long, but I want to give you opportunity to come and seek God for the promise, for you to stagger not at the promise of Almighty God. Would you stand, please, with us this morning?